folks, this episode of the Redneck Country Podcast is brought to you by OutdoorFunctions.com. OutdoorFunctions.com is an online calendar-based system where you can go on, scroll month to month to month so that you ensure you don't miss any kind of outdoor function coming down the pipe. Anything from clinics to banquets to fundraisers to gun club events, whether it's practices or competitions, folks, they're all on there. Head on over to OutdoorFunctions.com and take a look. You can even sort by the type of event you want to look for. At this point in time, they have completely wiped their calendar due to COVID to ensure all the events that are posted there are truly happening. And therefore, folks, they need your help to rebuild it for free. Go on and hit the event submission button on the top right and be able to put your event in there to start to populate this calendar back up post-COVID so that we can all get back out and enjoy the outdoors together. So folks, spread your wings, try some outdoor events, and please be sure to check out www.outdoorfunctions.com. Hey folks, welcome to the Redneck Country Podcast. You are on with Todd and Bill. Bill, are you there, my man? Yes, sir. It's uh, another great night. I say it every time, but uh, it's always a good night when we can get together and Share a few stories and, uh, and podcasts for everybody who's listening. So, yes, I'm here. Right on. And I have had so much freaking coffee today, and my six-year-old made it, so I'm pretty certain as I drank it and it burned my throat, I am caffeined up and ready to rock. <laughs> it's going to be a good podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can get a word in edgewise here tonight. You are going to have to, if you had, you need the control board, man, because you're going to have yeah. to hit the mute button. <laughs> uh, I, again, I'm the almost guy, so I almost got a word in tonight. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and see, and tonight, because Bill, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the great white north, but Bill is back from the greater white north. And so yeah. I want to... I, normally we start this out with, Hey Bill, how was your week? But we can't cause I want to make this whole friggin' podcast about that because I was getting some pictures and I was getting some messages that were insane. So don't, don't go there yet. I will say what I did this week and then we'll go into it. Let's hear about it. How was your week? So the, and the reason I want to is cause I, I'm kind of, I'm semi pumped about it. I, I was, uh, I decided that I, I've, I've been lending out my one of my trap guns for years now. And uh, so I got I got three that you would say. And if anybody's listened to our previous podcast about, uh, I believe I titled it, What the Flip Kind of Shotgun Is That? When we posted yeah. it up there. If anybody's listened to that. So we go into the differences. So I have three trap guns. I've never sold a trap gun. So I have my very first trap gun, which is on a Remington 1100 trap, which was, I bought off of an old timer trap shooter that was quitting as I was that age, I was getting into it. So it's really old. And, uh, but, but it did the trick. It's awesome. 1100 trap. I couldn't sell it. It's my first trap gun. So then have you, uh, have you cleaned it since you got it? <laughs> I have no comments. So yeah. I will tell you that uh, well, yeah, it's kind of been clean because I busted a firing pin in a shoot off once and the gentleman I was shooting off against, which I, I could say we mentioned him in that podcast, Terry Jordan. He's a great guy. And uh, I was proud to be shooting off against him. Let me say that. But uh, he it broke on the line. I busted a firing pin. He took it over, took it apart, replaced the firing pin halfway through the shoot off. And he actually was like, wow. This needs to be so he sprayed it out on the spot and put it back together. We went back out. He beat me by a target in the shoot off and, and kudos. He deserved it after we're stopping to fix my gun, which was awesome. But but so yeah, it did get cleaned. Right there, right? It is, it is. And so it did get cleaned at that time. And then uh so a- after shooting for a while, I wanted to gun with uh, adjustments on it. I wanted to be able to shoot higher and I didn't want to have to bend my barrel like they did back in the day with uh, over a tire or a vice or anything like that. So 
I, I went on a hunt and found my, my next shotgun, which was a BT 99 plus, which it had a shock in the stock and adjustable comb and adjustable rib and all that jazz. I shot that for many years until I, I finally discussed with, got on uh, board and, and got a Caesar Garini. And so that's now I'm on my second Caesar Garini, but that's what I shoot now, but I've never sold a trap. I shouldn't say that. Cause I did what my first Caesar Garini, I've passed that on and I got a new, a new one, but I've never sold another one of my trap guns. I've always kept them. So now when I had a buddy start shooting years ago and I had it and he, he was a hunter, didn't have one. So I let him use it. And then dad's buddy started shooting. And so I said, you know what? And, and actually that buddy, I sold it to him for 50 bucks so that he could own it, own it and said there. Now the only stipulation is you can't resell this. Whenever you quit shooting, it's yours. But when you stop shooting trap or you get a new trap gun, sell it back to me for 50 bucks. And so he got a new trap gun. We've done that. So I got it back. I got it. And then dad's buddy started shooting uh trap and again, didn't have a trap gun. So I, I let him use that for a year and now he's just bought his. So I just got my, that trap gun back. And I thought, you know what? My daughter is now to the age. She works at the gun club. She likes work and she, she doesn't like to shoot as much because she likes working and making money. And therefore if she's shooting, she can't be working. So I've been wanting her to, to get out, but I, I got this gun now. I'm figuring I'm going to, I'm going to fix it up. And so that maybe it'll coerce her to want to shoot a little bit more. But then my six-year-old coming up, she'll be able to shoot it to it someday. And then hey, I'm not going to sell it. So having it nicely fixed up. So this week I actually decided to, uh, to rip it down, take it apart. I'm, I sanded the stock all down and I've, uh, I'm replacing the, the shock that's in it was from 1990. So if you, a BT99 plus, this model was built in 1990. It's not the, the plus that is built today. Uh, this one had the shock and the stock and all this jazz. Well, that's that shock. It was just a little too long for me and I shot it anyway. And so now that my daughter, I'm hoping she's going to use it. I got to take that off and replace it with a Grecoil. And so I've, I've yeah. got it all apart. So this week, I've been, yeah, yeah. And make it a little bit shorter. And then I, I could shoot it too. I do like the way that that balances. And with that Grecoil and the weight on the back end for me, that's, it'll I be mean, a, a quick gun, but. You and your daughter probably could shoot the same length of pull because you got little wee tiny arms, right? <laughs> well played. And yeah, 13, what is it? Thir I measured it because I, I measured it for this gun for getting a Grecoil at 13 and three quarter inch, inch uh, length of pull. Exact same as my waist. So, <laughs> <laughs> no comment. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I like a short stock. I like to get up on. I like the control. So, so anyway, but yes, my daughter is, can shoot the same gun. So it, it, it will do a purpose. And I do like this gun. So if I, if I get bored of my seat, I can go back and I can shoot it. And, and it is a, a quick gun. Like it, it's just the way that it's balanced. It, it moves fast. Yeah. So that being said, I have stripped it down and I've been applying true oil to it and then sanding it down and then true oil in it and sanding it down and true oil in it and sanding it down. And I thought, you know what, while I'm doing this. I might as well do my Caesar at the same time because it's you just a natural. Caesar part. So I, I did. And so now wow. I'm doing the final coats on the Caesar as well. And I tell you what, that true oil, it, it is popping. I know it was a, a little bit of when you're taking a, an $8,500 or with that stock, cause I've had some work done to it and stuff like that. I'm at $9,000, whatever you want to say is invested in that gun. And, and you start sanding down the, the stock. <laughs> it's a little nerve wracking, but yeah, ah, screw it. It's only wood. 
So. Yeah, it, well, it'd break my heart if it if it went wrong. I, a buddy of mine, uh, we were shooting at Toronto International. No, don't. Uh, now, don't you tell me any scary stories while I got this thing apart, Bill. No, you freak me out. It was a scary story for me just how quickly this all happened. But we were shooting uh, Toronto International, and he had either gained weight loss. I'm not sure what the situation was at the time, but his gun didn't fit him anymore. He, he was shooting an old Browning Satori. And uh, shot it for years and years and years, but he just got back into shooting and he found the gun didn't fit him very well anymore. So he changed, uh, he wanted to make a change. And I'm like, well, take it to local guns, which is not a chance. He had that thing stripped down in about four minutes, had my uh, chop saw, put it on the chop saw, took it, uh, you know, a, a half or a quarter inch off the, uh, off the end of that. And I, I, my jaw hit the floor, <laughs> how quickly and how easily he just said, no, no, I'll just put it on the saw and set it up to about this angle. Cause it changed. I was like, Whoa, easy, but no, no. And before you knew it, whoom, down. And I still, I've to this day, I've kept that piece of wood in my garage <laughs> as a reminder of, you know what? It, it's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> It'll be okay. It will be all right. That oh. is so, that's so awesome. <laughs> no, well, and I've seen guys do it like bend the barrels over a freaking trailer hitch. And I'm oh. like, oh my goodness. Oh, it's not shooting high enough. And they don't have adjustable comb. Hey, the, the cranker. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a little more than me, but this was just, I thought hey, there's enough videos out there and stuff. And, and I, I knew enough of the stock is just a natural oil finish. So, and, and it's a nice piece of Turkish walnut. So it, it's not that big of a deal. I went and bought some uh, quadruple ot steel wool and 400 grit sandpaper. And I, I knocked down some, uh, with that. I brought it to a kind of a rougher finish and then I slapped on the true oil really, really thick. Cause I watched some YouTube videos and then lathered it, made a lather and that fills in the grain. And then you let you, you kind of wipe off that lather as you're, yeah. as you're wet sanding it and you keep it nice and wet while you're doing it. And then let it sit for 24 hours and then just start throwing thin layers on it. And with the steel wool, if you get little spots, cause it, I mean, that true oil can get sticky quick, right. When you're putting it on yeah. there. So you got to make sure it's really thin and you are going to get some buildup. So you just take the steel wool, knock down the little spots with buildup and then just keep going. And I know you're, I know you've been pretty good with, uh, you know, keeping things, you're not dropping it or anything over the years, but have you ever steamed out, um, dings and dents in the stock i'm not you know and this bt99 has got a ding maybe i should give it a try and see i you know i i am watching enough videos those come up right when you yeah and, and that's why i don't know how deep uh they they are but i've been it was uh, following a, a thread on facebook i think about a guy who was refinishing his stock and he said there's a little ding on it what, what would you recommend it and i have heard about this in the past but i've never tried it but steaming the wood to bring that dent out. Yeah. I just, I put just a, they say how, to put how. like a hot cloth on it and then I, I don't get it. And then you got to steam it with the hot cloth and then you remove And I don't, there's a whole process. You, you watch YouTube videos for days on it, but dad yeah. had his stock steamed. So he's got a, a Winchester diamond grade one one on single. And there was a gentleman that bought both guns. He, they, he bought, instead of buying a combo where you have, you know, the one action and then you get the double barrels and the single barrel. He, this, this guy, this gentleman bought the unsingle and then bought the double. So he's got two full guns and so um, to both take, take a quick step back. I know, I know this is, is probably a topic for next week's yes, podcast. Yes, it is. I get a little deep now, but yeah. Yeah. But I was just going to say, cause I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, you know, when I got into trap shooting, I had no idea what an unsingle was. 
Oh yeah. 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 So, I'll, I'll touch on that. And then it'll kind of whet the appetite for next week then. But yeah, and, this is just a, a, a taste of what we're going to get into. Yeah. First. And unsingle is the action of the gun, the stock and, and up to the action with the lever where you open it up. It's a, a, a double gun up over and under is what we're talking about. And so you have a top barrel and a bottom barrel and in trap, in singles and the handicap events, you only shoot one target. You're only allowed one shot. So a single barrel is usually the gun you use. And so, yeah, therefore, they, they're pretty common now because in trap, that target's always rising and you don't want to block. The, the sooner you can see the target, the better. But you don't want to have to hold so low that you got to move so much to get it. So now an unsingle is they take the, the – it's a double-action receiver – but they only put the bottom barrel on. And so you're only shooting the bottom barrel and they fill the rest of the space where the top barrel would be with just rib. So it's a really, really, really high rib, which it was actually, if you held it beside a double barrel gun, it would be the same height as the rib, uh, the second barrel and the rib on, on that barrel set. But because that top barrel's missing, that rib looks really, really, really high. And so, yep. it, but it allows you to see through that rib because I mean, that rib's not solid. So you could see the target a lot quicker is the theory. Some guys like them, some guys don't, but that's yep. what an unsingle is. And so right. dad not bought that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But, but where I was going was dad bought that gun unsingle because his broke, we were at a trap shoot and I don't want to steal the story, but his broke yada, yada, yada. And we'll, I'll actually, we'll bring him on next week and he can tell that story because I think that's a great one. And uh, so he ended up getting this one one but he only had the single. Well, now he wants to be able to shoot doubles. So he wants the double. And so he found out that the gentleman that had actually sold this unsingle to the person that dad ended up buying it off of still had the matched double. So Winchester diamond grade one one So he went and got it. Well, the problem was this gentleman, he didn't want it. So dad bought it or he did want it, but dad offered him enough. I don't know the story. Dad could, <laughs> dad could share it, but he had, he had had it steamed, it cast over it's to fit him better. And so dad had to take it to a, a gun, a woodworker, like a, an actual guy that knows what he's doing. And we weren't going to attempt this. And he actually steamed it back over for dad. And so that, and fit the stock back to dad by steaming the wood, instead of replacing the stock, building a whole new stock, he, they were able to steam that stock back and, and be a, a normal straight or, or, and I don't know how straight, I just know they fitted it to fit dad and they actually steamed it. And, and that impressed me because that's a solid chunk of lumber that you're mm. steaming back over. But, but yeah, so I know it can be done and uh, I know it's a time consuming process, but you're talking about just getting dings and dents out and yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, that's it. And yeah, I might, I might give that a try. I might, uh, what the heck, right? What else we got to do in COVID? That's it. <laughs> so yeah. So, so hopefully good. that wets everybody's appetite for the next episode. Yeah, but uh, so that's what I did. That's what I've been doing. I've been uh, refinishing my stocks, and I think they're almost done. They're starting to look really good now. So after doing that lathering on them, and and on the BT ninety nine, it's not like a super awesome piece of Turkish walnut. Like uh, my Caesar has a pretty decent piece of wood on it, and so I've been putting it on. But it's starting to look really three D and really come out. The more layers, thin layers of that uh, true oil I'm putting on, it's really in the sunlight, like iridescent. 3d look it's friggin' wicked i'm loving it i love how it's starting to look and uh, the bt99 is not that lustrous of wood but it's starting to come along too the, the more layers so now the problem is where do you stop and do you yeah, ever stop right. or do you just because it is just a, an oil finish do you just keep on going and what fueled me to do this to start with was my dad told me a story of 
my uncle or my great uncle, it would be, it was his uncle that when, when, whenever he would go over and visit him, he'd be always sitting there oiling his gunstock and rubbing oil into his gunstock. And dad said, I remember that piece of wood looks so beautiful because every time I'd go over, that's what he would be doing is rubbing oil into that gunstock. Hmm. And so that kind of stuck with me, which is kind of what uh, triggered me to start doing it. But, but yeah, when you get bored and you got nothing to do to watch a movie or something to be, you got something to do now. Yeah, got no competitions, and and really, it doesn't take that. I mean, you got to wait two yeah. hours between coats, and so it takes like maybe a minute and a half to put a really thin layer on, and then you got to set it aside. But and your hands are sticky. I'm still wooling my my fingers to get it off because <laughs> it gets so sticky after you leave it for like 30, 40 seconds, and and no soap's taking that off. I'll tell you what. So I'm still wooling my fingers, but that does work. <laughs> Quadruple lot steel wool. So you didn't. You didn't uh, hit the club this weekend or, or uh, yeah, sporting plays? Oh, actually, we did. We did. We went uh, We went out sporting clay. We're go- I think we're going again this Sunday. So, But, yeah, we did that as well, and we had a good time. There was me, my dad, uh, and my dad's buddy, Bill, and uh, my buddy, Trevor, from the club. So the four of us went, and they actually had a pretty good turnout. And uh, so we shot around a sporting clays. Had a, had a bit of fun. It was a good time. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to have to get down there one, one weekend and do that. It just sounds like... Way too much fun to pass up. You know? and, well, and that's it. Thank goodness there's no prizes and it's not registered because I, I'm having way too much fun to make it a competition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm talking too much. I'm videoing. I'm chirping. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing weird targets at them just to tick them off. <laughs> yeah. You got the right squad of people that they got the personality that they know what they're up against with Todd Millard. There, right? <laughs> well, dad had me, so he has no options and <laughs> yeah. uh, dad's buddy. Uh, he, he, uh, he has no options either because <laughs> he's driving with us, I guess. And and my buddy, he didn't have to come. <laughs> so yeah, that's so, yeah. A, he had a choice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, it is. It's good. We have a, we had, we have good time. Absolutely. And the guys behind us were pretty good. They were catching up. There was only three in their group. So they were catching up to us and there was a bigger group in front of us. that was kind of slowing us down just a touch. So they were catching up and they, they seemed like they were good dudes as well. So it was, uh, yeah. it was a good time. Yeah. We were having a blast. You get your shells all loaded up for tomorrow? No, we are all out. And now I'm on to, did the math on these reloads, and I'm not certain that we're going to continue to reload. Really? Well, I do like the load. I like the way it patterns. But there is such a good rebate on right now that if for the, for 16 yards, close targets, like I shoot rocks at them, right? So you could shoot the cheap shells and, uh, to me, why spend the extra money when uh, I, you run hundreds with the cheap shells? Do you need to have these beautifully reloaded, nice patterned ones? Maybe, but it's a lot of money and a lot of time compared to, so we would save $10 a flat after I've done the math. And so for people that don't know, a flat is 10 boxes of shells. So you would save $10. So a dollar a box of shells cheaper to buy the cheaper shells. And so when you're shooting that many, that, that adds oh, up. Right? So for you to buy them, it's cheaper it's $10. with the rebate than it is. Well, oh, wow. And, and that's not, and, that's, and your time that's too, not, right? the, there's no rebate on the cheap ones. So that's just on the cheap ones for singles. So now when you go into handicap, you're, you're we're shooting further back, right? Uh, long yardage. And so I want a faster load. I want, I, yes. I typically, the, the ones I've been loading, the, the stats, and I haven't chronographed so, since switching over to these, but everybody 
it shoots this load that I've talked to. They, they come in around 1250 feet per second. So you yeah. can't, when you get into that kind of speed and then the quality of shell, which I want Winchester double a silver bullets, the super handicaps, those are 1250 feet per second. So those are typically $105 a flat. They have a $20 us dollar rebate per flat. Well, that now makes them $85, but you get 25. So, but it's really that $20 is in us. So really it brings them down to almost $80. And I believe our reloads are well, $85 in there. And I believe our reloads are a little bit more than that. So, yeah, and it's time yeah, consuming just, to do it. Yeah, the so. time consuming side of it, and and you know, for me, that's about what I'm paying for a shells and challenger handicap. Uh, when I'm when I'm for sixteen or 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 my handicap, I, I don't change. Um, but I used to. I used to play around with the different loads for different different yardages, and I don't know if it really had that much of a difference on what I was doing because I'm not at your level of competition and and, ah, and uh, shooting. That's just a mindset. But, I disagree. Yeah, <laughs> and not with that attitude, but, you're not. <laughs> well, you get to the club once or twice, Mr. Tom, and you can figure out if you got a, a gun that still works or not. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, no, I, I, I just when I Cabela's has them on sale for a flat, uh, and the, the the handicap loads are there. I I buy what would I buy 10, 10 plus last time I was. Yeah, uh, they were oh on my sale. gosh. I want that. So, I want them. I want them, Bill. But yeah, we're going, yeah. I believe we're going, so dad and Bill didn't, they did not go to one of the sporting clay shoots. So they still have more shells than I do. And so therefore I think I might have to buy a couple boxes for Thursday night, but on Friday, I believe we're making the trek to go and uh, spend quite a bit of cash and come home with some. And I don't think it's going to be reloading supplies. I think it's going to be because the $10 you're going to save per flat will offset if the handicap loads, the Winchester loads are more money will offset and shake it. And then why am I wasting my time reloading when you could have a factory loaded double a super handicap, which is a pretty good shell. Right. So to me, yeah, we're going to, I think we're going to go that road after doing the math on the reloads. Now, not saying that I'm hoping the patterns are just as good. I do like my, my reloads. The pattern patterns were awesome, but I'm going to give this a go. It's a trade-off. Yeah. Give it a shot. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Right now there's hardly any comp there. Well, there is no competitions. It's all just fun shoots. So who cares? Now's the time to figure it out. Good deal. But but yeah. So, so that all being said on to tonight's, I am so pumped because you didn't have much signal up North at the cottage, but you had enough from time to time to make me jealous by sending some pretty wicked picks and messages Wait. first. Yeah. And I don't want to say what it was. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin or steal the thunder, but I will let you, I don't know where you want to start. Well, I guess that's a good question. I, I can start with, uh, we had a good week. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> my, my wife's, uh, um, family has, uh, a cottage, um, uh, up near the French River, uh, Grundy Lake Park, uh, Provincial Park. So um, we were very, very fortunate to to have a couple of days up there this year. My wife and kids left, uh, and they, they spent six full days up at the cottage. And I, because of work commitments, I wasn't able to get up there till Friday. So I was living bachelor life from uh, from Tuesday to, to Friday morning, I guess. And, uh, that was when we talked about the, the perfect cup of coffee. And, yeah. and I, finally, I think I got that figured out. So. Bachelor life. So how much weight did you lose? 
<laughs> uh, I lost two pounds. I, I did. I, I stepped on the scale and I lost two pounds. Or how much did you gain? Because yeah, if it was me, I guess I'd be eating out a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know my my uh, uh, OCD. We we had it all planned out before what I was going to eat on day one, two, and three. And did you really? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I do. Okay, That's I got it. I know this is this is the Bill Tom side of where we're going. I but I gotta ask. <laughs> I gotta drill in on this. You planned out with Candace, or did you do this on your own? Oh no, we planned it out together. We went shopping beforehand to make sure I had in the house what I what I needed and wanted to eat for those three days. Candace Tom is so kind and caring. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I wanted have... to make sure that I was taken care of. <laughs> it's wow, dude. You got a keeper. I'm impressed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, no question in my mind. <laughs> and I have to say that because I need a couple big favors. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But, oh, so I, okay, sorry. Yeah. So you didn't get up there. To, so you planned your meals, which is awesome. So, yep. uh, no, I want to drill in even more because I want to know Bill, Bill Tom. What were your planned meals? I was thinking about you. I did a, a 300 flip grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so you started it on monday that was your yeah, thursday yeah. meal <laughs> if you're flipping you can't burn it that's what that's, i was told that's so. right if it's in the air it ain't burning you're good to go <laughs> yeah. so i had grilled cheese sandwiches and then uh, podcast night i had a uh, pizza and then thursday i had uh, uh burgers on the on the grill and friday i was off to the cottage so I got up uh, first thing Friday morning. I fly model airplanes too, as kind of another, as if I don't have enough hobbies in, uh, already. Uh, I got up early on Friday morning and uh, I, I went out to the flying field and which is just our local uh, soccer field, football field and, and uh, flew for 20, 25 minutes there and, and uh, turned around and went home, packed up and, and you, uh, hit the road. You, so. I didn't know. I knew you did. I didn't know you were that into it, that it would, take precedence on a Friday morning, getting to a cottage where you can fish and, and really you wanted to do it that bad. You got up and went out early to fly the planes. Full disclosure. I had a conference call at 11 o'clock. I couldn't miss. So, <laughs> there. so it was filler. <laughs> yeah, it was filler. I, I can't sleep in early cause I get up early for work anyway. So I was up and I had batteries charged the night before for just in case I was going to get up and go. Uh, the conference call was at 11. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get on the road until one, which uh, didn't put me there till late. So, but anyways, yeah, I was able to hit the road, uh, one o'clock, like one zero zero. I was on the road and, uh, uh, two and a half hours later, I was sitting, uh, on the, on the deck, uh, of the, the cottage, um, catching up with the family and, and hearing about their week. And so up to that point in time and, and they had had a, a pretty good, uh, pretty good go of things for the first couple of days. So I was glad to get there when I did and, uh, enjoy a little bit of the weather. Right on. So when you got there, family was all ready for you to get there. Did Hunter have the fishing holes already lined up, already found out, already knew where and what bait to throw? Sounded like he didn't get a whole lot. I didn't have a whole lot of success until, uh, until I showed up. So he, they did catch a few, uh, uh, his uncle Dave, who is uh, the owner of the cottage and, uh, who was our, our host for the, their, their, well, I say host very, uh, generously because they they absolutely everything is set up i mean we, we we want for nothing when we're there it's it's uh you know we don't have air conditioning or that kind of stuff but who, who needs it you're out swimming you're boating you're fishing you're having a barbecue you're um 
just enjoying life with no cell phone reception. As soon as you get off Highway 69 uh, and, and going east there, there is zero cell phone reception. So there's not even the temptation when you're sitting at the cottage around the around the deck to uh, pick up the phone and check Facebook or anything. There's nothing. So <laughs> it, it, it was beautiful. And you say you want for nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm, you have no cell phone signal. So how is that? <laughs> I, I don't understand what that feels like yeah. anymore. <laughs> refreshing. Honestly, it's refreshing to know that you don't need to have it there and be checking things. But, you know, I, I, I kept the phone because it's got a camera uh, on it for, for certain reasons. And I had it out. And sure enough, on Saturday morning, which is I won't fast forward too fast. But Saturday morning is when I was able to shoot you the text messages uh, and certain spots on the lake i guess you're able to just get a few self uh, messages across no pictures uh, until sunday when i was coming home but yep. um yep. saturday saturday we could at least get you a message to let you know how things were shaping <laughs> yeah. out but, and when i got so. that message i instantly remembered that i had not added you as an administrator on the facebook page for redneck country yet as I was uh, funneling all the posts and I was like, the minute that this message came in again, not still, I'm like, Holy crap. I got to add Bill. He's got to post this. (laughs) (laughs) Saturday, Saturday fishing was, was, uh, was fun. But Friday night um, when I got to Hunter wanted to take me out right away. Cause his, uh, his uncle has um, got a little 12 foot tinny uh, with a 9.9 on the back that uh, hunter has learned last year and, and again this year how to how to use that's so awesome. i mean proud son uh taking his dad to a fishing yeah. spot i mean um the first spot was kind of a bust we didn't take it but yeah i'm not out there honestly for the first little bit to to catch fish i want to i want him to feel proud of the fact that he's able to take his dad to to a spot that he's maybe be uh scoped out for the first couple of days that he was there right so he was, he was pretty happy. So we, we went out to a spot and, and, uh, you know, we fished there for about 20 minutes or so. I didn't catch anything. Maybe moved to another spot, another 20 minutes didn't catch anything. And then he says, okay, well, I got another spot over here, which is not very far off the cottage. I mean, you could hear Candace and her aunt and uncle talking on the deck. That's how close to the cottage we were. But I mean, on a lake, you can hear things a long ways away, but, um, all of a sudden I, I'm throwing up my, um, and I, I'm not sure if I want to tell you what I'm throwing out, but I think you're, you're kind of going to push me to tell you. <laughs> and that, is that not what this podcast is all about? <laughs> yeah, I guess. So we need weight, color, size. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I like to throw out, um, the worms. I, I like a, not, not real worms. I don't fish with real worms, like a wacky rigged Senko, uh, with a number two red, uh, hook on it, and and funny enough, the hook color seems to make a difference. It's like a bleep. I was. It's like a, it's like it's it's kind of bleeding, right? That's I, a, I don't. I I can't put a firm explanation to it, but I tried weedless uh, hooks that were a different color, and maybe it was a weedless barb on. I don't know, but it just didn't hit it. But when you change the hook color to to the red with the the psycho worm, maybe it's mental in my mind or whatever. I fished it differently, but that fish. Uh, I had a small mouth and he was just over three. I think I sent you a picture of that one. And he hit that thing like a ton of bricks, just wham, hit that, hit that Sanko. It hit the, hit the water. It was fishing in about six feet of water at that time, uh, at that time of day. 
and I, uh, two, two little, uh, jerks across the bottom. And all of a sudden the, the rod tip went down and wham. Were you along uh, the bank? I, Were you in weeds? No, I this time I wasn't. There was uh, some fallen fallen trees that were there that they created some structure, but I wasn't fishing right in the structure. Uh, there was a drop off that went from about three feet to six feet, then six feet to to the kind of a, a eight to twelve foot channel where they uh, go from the cottage out to the main body of water. And we were in that channel, and I was casting up closer to the three foot mark, and then coming back obviously to the, the deeper water. And I didn't get to six feet. I'd say before that, that fish hit. Okay. So and, uh, he was probably just waiting down on the bottom, but it just come up and hammered it. Right. So yeah. let me, because when you, now every other fishing podcast, I get to, to be dumb. <laughs> Don't get to be, I am dumb because it's, it's all the type of fishing, but this is, oh, you're going to make me jealous. Cause this is my wheelhouse. And this year, because of COVID, I don't think I'm going to get to go up North and do this, this bass fishing. So I'm going to live vicariously through you, Bill, but sure. this, so your rig, you're, you said wacky worm. So you're taking this hook and you're putting it right in the middle of a, like a, a six inch long worm, rubber worm. Yeah. Babe. Yes. And no, um, on the, the Senko, uh, six inch, uh, it's a green pumpkin green with, uh, uh, gold fleck, fleck on the, on yeah. it. I think it's called baby bass. I think is the color of it. But anyways, uh, I always put an O ring right on the, right around the center of it ah, because for, for, yep, yep. for two, two reasons. One, because there's such a soft bait. It seems like it, it'll tear it uh, in half. every time you catch a fish, it tears it in half. Mm-hmm. So I go through, uh, I go through a lot of worms that way, but, but, um, so I used to, and then I started putting O-rings on them and I go through half as many because they're not cheap, right? A bag of, bag of those is, is 10 bucks, right? Yep. So, or, or more, I don't know what it and is And what now, sucks but. the worst is when you're out there and they're hammering them. And when you yeah. hook right through the worm and those bass are ripping them off and then you realize this is the bait. I just went through 10 and yep. then I got no more. Oh, that's right. oh yeah, that's forget the price that you'd pay 40 bucks for a bag of 10 at that point, but you, you got nowhere to go get them. You're screwed, man. Like that. Yeah. I've been there, done that. You're, you're and hooking I, up and driving now. Let's go find a freaking store. <laughs> and there's not many up there, especially with COVID. There's a lot of things closed and, and, oh, and not a yeah. lot, lot going on. So, so we actually tried to be as self-sufficient as possible. Right. So this worm, so now was the hook weighted at all? No, no weighted hooks. I mean, just I use the weight of the uh, of the, weight of the rake with, with the worm, okay. the, the O-ring and the hook itself. Because let me go. Yeah. So, Tajan time, if I can interrupt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, the caffeine, man. You knew it was coming. But <laughs> so this, I have avoided this rig for years because I thought it looked so stinking stupid. I mean, you got you got all these cool looking lures and you got all that, like the tube jig that you can hook up weedless and, and you could Carolina and Texas rig it and everything else. And like, that's to me, that's work, right? Okay. I've done, I put the work in. So the fish are going to bite this. And I look at this stupid wacky worm rig and I go, you're just putting a freaking worm over a hook and leaving it. Like it's not even weedless. You're not, you're not doing anything. You're not putting a bullet weight on it. You're doing nothing. You're just put it on there and throw it in the water. What? And so all the way until last year, I refused to use that, 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 uh, type of, of rig. And so last year we, we go to the cottage where me and dad just slay the pike and bass. I mean, it's insane. And my kids, and, and it doesn't matter where you go on this lake, uh, we just crush it. And that's why I love going there. I mean, the cottage is literally plywood on cinder blocks. Do not care. 
It is amazing fishing. And so I, I, I thought, you know what? I was watching my outdoor TV and I was, I was hooked last year on MLF. I think I went through like every season and while well, I'm working out, you know, I'm sitting there on the treadmill. I got a plan and went, no matter what I'm doing, I'm watching MLF, which if anybody, uh, we, it, it is awesome show to watch. It's where they go live tournaments in the boats with the fishermen. They have so many hours and it isn't, they don't keep the fish. Those, they weigh them live and have iPads that the, the judges are in the boat with them and they, they measure the bass, they pump it in. And then everybody that's competing gets updated by the guy in their boat with the iPad. Hey, you know, so-and-so just caught one and they're now in the lead and it, and the time's ticking, mm. it puts pressure. So it is a pretty cool show to watch. Anyway, I digress. I, I was hooked. And so Mike Iconelli, can't say that, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of any fisherman and I'm like, I put them, any of them on a pedestal, but for whatever reason, he had just won one of the TV shows I watched at the time we're getting ready to go. And he has his own worm and I can't even remember the brand. I got him in my tackle box. I can't even remember the brand, but he is sponsored. So he's got his own worm and his own hook hook that he calls it the Mike Iconelli setup, whatever the heck you want to call it. But it is a slightly weighted. And I don't even remember if it's like a three ounce. I don't even remember how, how heavy the, the hook is, but I went right out cause he won. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, it looks stupid, but this dude just whooped Kevin Van Dam's butt with that. <laughs> and then, and Kevin Van Dam is a name. And so I got to I got to at least get some and try it. And so I went and I, I got some of these worms it with his name on them. And really it doesn't matter, right? Like you're using a Senko, whatever is a six inch worm, five inch, four inch, whatever it, they all work, I think. And then I got the hooks. My dad actually had seen that I was getting this stuff and he surprised me and got me the O-rings with the, the straw piece of metal. You put the O-rings on, yeah. slide the worm in and it pulls the O-ring down into the middle of the worm yeah. really easy. So he, baseball bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got me those and surprised me with them on our way to the cottage, which was cool. And so I thought, all right, I'll give this a go. And let me tell you, I don't think for largemouth bass, I will ever fish anything again, other than <laughs> top water early morning or just before dark, maybe for fun. But if you want to catch freaking fish, that rig you're throwing right there and the size of the bass, like insane. I had one I couldn't get in the boat and it was right below me. It actually broke me off going under the boat and going the other way. And I had my rod right, right down to the bottom of the lake trying to pull him back. And there was no dice. I mean, he was a hog. I never even got to see him. And it was just <laughs> gone. It could have been a pike for that matter too. But anyway, but it was that exact rig and all the way to, that was last year was the first time I did it. And I could not believe that this worked. And I thought, yeah, it's, and it's, it's easier than you think, and, right? Yeah. And it's the dumb and you just throw it in. And, but the yeah, way that I can, you know, there's a lot of people, that, a lot of people <laughs> over, a lot of people overfish it, meaning that they try to do too much. Well, yeah. Like, I, I mean, cause I've always been the thought process that, it, you know, I've always said a lazy hunter is a bad hunter. Uh, uh, so I apply the same. A lazy fisherman's a bad, and that's just a lazy looking rig, man. Like it's a hook with <laughs> yeah. a freaking worm on it. What what the heck? But holy crap, does that thing freaking work? I could not believe it in this lake that I was in. It just destroys them. And so Dad's buddy was actually rented the same cottage as us, and going up the exact like we were leaving the Saturday, they were coming, and so we actually left. 
all of the with instructions. It left the O-rings, left the worms, left the hooks with the instructions on how to do it and where to go on in the cottage for them. And uh, actually hit it because we knew they were coming to clean the cottage. So we, we hit it and then we texted them where the stuff where you say, go look here. And they were crushing them as well. Like I, I just could awesome. not, I could not believe it. We've been going up there for years and using spinner baits and we nail pike and you get bass. And then I'd be throwing, you know, some top water, which I still did, but throwing tubes and stuff, you get them, but nothing compared to this rig you're throwing. So anyway, that's the Todd story. And if anybody's listening, hasn't tried it and thought like me that this is the dumbest looking rig, get over that and do it because holy crap, whatever it is, the way that that worm does the jiggy as it, as it's fallen, it just, it, it triggers them. I mean, that, yep, that thing absolutely. barely gets to the bottom of the lake before they're pounding it. So anyway, I digress. So you pulled in a nice, what'd you say? Three and a half pounder on that. Yeah, it was well, three and a half, three and a half. And we actually kept that one because it was, uh, First one there, my, my daughter, Violet, um, loves fish bites, meaning that it, you don't cook the fillets. You, you cut them into one-inch cube pretty much, batter them, uh, put them in oil, and she absolutely loves what she calls fish bites. So we didn't have any fish uh, up to the time that I got there. For whatever reason, they weren't keeping any or they weren't catching any. I don't know what it is, but uh, um, we uh, we kept that one, and I filleted it, and uh, – we we're uh, going to save it till we got a few more to make some mix fish bites. So anyways, that, that was a uh, Friday night. Um, I hadn't been in the cottage very long. We'd already had a real nice uh, run in with a three, three and a, a bit small mouth. And, and uh, I thought, Hey, how, how much better could it get? Right. Yeah. And, and a so, spot that your son was proud to take you to to boot, right? Yeah, no, that's it. So yeah, we went back to cottage. We had a bite to eat and, uh, I uh, went to bed early because they were all tired. And, and I, that's the one thing that happens when you get up to the cottage. They're, they're so tired, tuckered out from swimming and, and just being out in some fresh, fresh air, air that yep. that by 9, 9, 9.30, they're ready to watch movies and play cards and get out of the mosquitoes up there. And and uh, I was ready for bed, too, at that time. So, yeah, so Saturday morning, uh, Dave um, always likes to get up around uh, quarter to 6, 6 o'clock and then hit the water. And it was a beautiful morning. Uh, you know, the, the fog was coming up off. The, it looked like the mist coming on the top of the water. And uh, I'm sitting down at, at, the, at the dock waiting for everybody to get up because I got up a few minutes before them. And the loons are going and there's virtually how, how does no that bugs. Go? How does that go? What, what are they? I, I'm not sure I've heard a loon. They, uh, they they make a noise, and I'm sure that if you Google it, you could figure <laughs> out what they make. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. You got it. But uh, yeah, the, you can't get any better than that, my friend. When when you get up first thing in the morning like that, and and you're by yourself down there, casting a line with the sun just coming up and and the mist coming off the water, the loons going. Like, that's your just chunk chunk of heaven right there. So I, uh, I waited, yeah, I waited for them and, um, it was probably, uh, six o'clock we hit the water and no, Dave, uh, we like to go to uh, his spots cause he knows where the, the, the pike and the crappie and the pickerel and, and whatnot uh, are. And he knows I like to fish for, for bass, large and small mouth. And we, um, we hit one spot and, um, Dave, he likes to throw crankbaits and I won't tell you which kind he likes to throw because they're kind of his deal, but I'll, I'll tell you what I threw instead. I'll give you my secrets. So awesome. I, 
Uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm I, messaging Dave right now as we speak. Yeah, you, you carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I throw a, a cotton cordell pickle in white, uh, which okay. is a, a crank. I was going to uh, say, so describe bait. it for me, because this I'm not certain what it is. Yeah, it's a, a crankbait that it, you can. The typical crankbait that you would see on a Bassmasters that they would throw in the, the early. Uh, nine your late 90s or whatever would be a flat flat crankbait that looks like a almost like a diamond uh, an extended diamond if if you can picture that yep probably quarter inch to uh just over a quarter inch thick got a rattle on the inside of it the the uh o-ring is right on top it's got two treble hooks on the bottom where this style crankbait is a lipped crankbait it's got a little lip i was on gonna it. say so does it have a lip or is it just gonna yep. be the the straight so my my wife if we go fishing she's got to throw almost that exact lure you're describing without the lip and she calls yep. it eh, whatever you called it it's the jiggy butt to her doesn't matter <laughs> yeah, what color that's what, it doesn't <laughs> matter what what size or anything it's just it's a crankbait that has a rattle in it and she needs to throw i need the jiggy butt can you put the make sure the jiggy butt <laughs> yeah. is on my line <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's good. I'm sure. Next time I'm out there, I'll, I'll refer to it like that. As well. It's the jiggy butt. But this, coming at you, yeah. folks, for 2021, we're gonna have the redneck country jiggy butt lures. Hey, we're <laughs> onto something there, maybe. But this uh, this little cotton cordell, uh, big old uh, in white. Uh, it's uh, a lipped crankbait. Um, got rattles on the inside of it. Two two treble hooks, obviously, on the jiggy bottom. Butt. And it, it does, it, it, it wobbles through the water and, and the pike, I, I caught three pike on that. Really? Um, yeah, I didn't show you a picture of those ones. Um, but I caught three pike on that and, uh, a really, really nice, uh, uh, small leaf that was probably in one of the pictures that I sent you there. And I, I tossed that out and I could see it cause the water was shallow enough that I tossed that out to the forest that I could, I could throw it. I'm throwing a, uh, spin cast reel with, um, I think I've got 12 pound monofilament on, which is good for the later part of the story that I'm going to tell you here, but, uh, 12 pound, uh, test monofilament, you know, it doesn't take much if you get wrapped around a log or something, snap that off if you get a big fish or, or something on. But, um, I threw that out and I could see probably, uh, as far as I could cast, um, as soon as it hit the water, this bass swirled at it. And it didn't, it didn't take it. Oh. And, but I, I've been fishing a year or two and I, I, I just left it. Okay. But wait, wait. Uh, okay. So before you go on, when that happened, how many are in the boat with you? People or fish? <laughs> people. <laughs> yes. Yep. People. How many people yeah. are in that boat with you? My son and Dave. So there's three total. So when that boat. swirl, did it go something like this? Holy jeez! Did you guys just see that swirl? And they're like, "No, no." Yeah, well, it's, it's always that. <laughs> and uh, the other thing is, if it didn't make the boat, it didn't count. So yeah. you didn't catch a fish, or it didn't get in the boat. See, so, I'll be with yeah. you on that. I'm with you on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because if, if we say it didn't happen, it picks or, or it didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. so you better. And my I, dad says the same thing. Yeah. Where's the pictures? Where's the pictures? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I, I cast it out and I saw that fish swirl at it, and he he missed, and I let it sit, and I just twitched it. 
Like, is it this this bait? If you don't fish it, it floats. I was gonna say, does it suspend it, or does it sink? Does it float? It, so it sits there. So it's sitting on top. He swirls at it, and you just kind of like flip, 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 flip. I, I let it sit. I let it sit for a, for maybe a, a two count, and then I just twitch it. And that fish came up and hit it like a ton of bricks, and and the game was on then. And he he was a a, a tail dancing out of the water. He put on a show, I tell you, and it was good enough that when he swirled at it the second time, I had him hooked with both hooks, so there was nothing happening that that fish was coming off. That's awesome. So he, uh, yeah, he he did he did the fight and, and the tail tail walking, and uh, what I didn't tell you the day before is I taught my son how to how to be a net man because uh, his lacrosse playing days were not good and his ability <laughs> to run a net it was not great. So, I mean, I don't get stressed out too much because I've caught a few fish and, and I've missed fish for other people netting pretty poorly. Okay. <laughs> so right. in, in that defense and in Hunter's defense, boat flip them or you're not a man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to do it. This is all about passing on life lessons and experiences. And one of the things I wanted to teach him was how to net a fish. So <laughs> maybe next time we'll teach him how to boat flip. <laughs> and, but when he was, he, when he was uh, netting that fish on Friday night, he was stabbing at it. Like he was trying to knock it off my, my, my uh, line. I think he was, <laughs> maybe he was, you know, he's like, dad ain't going to beat me. <laughs> oh, yeah. dad. Ha ha ha. So I taught him to be, be gentle, you know, take your time. I'll, I'll wear it out. I'll bring it into the boat. I'll get it close. Take a scoop at it, not a stab at it. So, okay. That, that, that was fine. I was able to get it in, but it was a good thing because he stabbed at that fish uh, on Saturday morning. Like he'd forgotten overnight what the right thing to do was he gets excited <laughs> and seeing a, seeing a nice bass, fish and bass fever. Yeah. And it was lucky that, uh, that, uh, we had him close and he was hooked as good as he did. Cause he tried to bump that fish off. I know he did with that net, but you know what? Every fish I caught this weekend, uh, you know, that was bigger fish hunter netted for me. And he felt pretty proud being able to be part of the, the fishing trip like that too. So that's awesome. But yes. Yeah. So I got that one in the boat and then, uh, you know, Hunter, he was catching a few and, but, uh, the morning progresses a little bit and, Wait, wait, no. how big? You're just going to send it like that? You, you had to net it. You didn't boat flip it. How big was this thing? Well, they were all the, the around the same three. They were all over three pounds. Was, Whatever we caught that was, was all over three some, pounds. That's some good fish. I don't care who it, you it was. That's some good fish and some good fighting. Now, was this a large or a smallie? Uh, good question. I think that was a large, large mouth. Large we caught quite a few large mouth, yeah. See, yeah. that's, and, yeah. Uh, I tell you what, a three pound plus bass is that's a good fighting fish. Pound for pound, I think bass are the best fighting fish out there. As far as I'm concerned, I'd go bass fishing over any other species any day of the week because I just love I love getting into the weeds. I love getting I'm into down. finding structure. Like I, I love the I'm, fight. I'm down. Yep, I'm down with you. I, I, I'm the same. And our last year when I was throwing those worms, I got we were catching largemouth like crazy so much. I got bored. I went looking for smallmouth <laughs> but, yeah. because I wanted a different fight. And, and I, I find, I say that because I find smallmouth fight a little bit harder than the largemouth. And maybe it's yeah. because I'm catching the largemouth in a little shallower water where maybe it's a little warmer. They're a little bigger. They're a little lethargic and the smallmouth are typically in a little bit deeper water, maybe a little bit cooler water uh, off of a rock bed or something like that. And so they're, 
they're a little more active is maybe my thought process. Yeah, there. I, think so too, I yeah. wouldn't necessarily say they're any more muscle, any much different in structure. It's just probably the temperature of, of where they're at. They're not as lethargic. They're a little more active just based on their, where they like to live and hunt. So yeah, pound for pound, smallies would, would give you the best fight out there. Too, yeah, for sure. I, be- so. I, I believe so. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah, that was, that was a hunter caught a, a couple of fish too. And he was, he was, Trying everything in his box. I mean, it, it, trying new uh, uh, ways to tie on lures and uh, hey, Dad, what does this do? And he tried a, a spinner bait uh, that was uh, green and orange uh, with willow leaf on it, uh, and it um, he he caught a little bit of success on that one. And with I won't give you what Dave, Dave was using hmm? with bass or with pike that spinner uh, bait. Bass. See, yeah, bass. my, my dad, now I bought those worms. We also, I should say full disclosure, hit the Amazon and typically we don't do this. We, we support our local store and buy them up, but we needed in the bulk because where we fish at this cottage, the, the pike, we, we last the year before we lost spinning baits like crazy. We had to go into town and buy more and we went with a whack load. So this year I'm like, we're going with a whack load. I mean, I bought the, the own that it's own tackle box for just the spinners. And yeah. I think I bought like a 60 pack on Amazon yeah, for me and dad to rip. And it, I mean, I don't think the bass have time to hit them because the pike are chewing them up. And so yeah, I found that out on those, those Northern lakes. I, I found the spinners. You'll catch the odd bass, but the pike for us, holy crap, they were just pounding the spinners. Just hammering them. Yeah, and I think he might have cut a pike on that too. But yeah, I think he got a couple of bass. So fast forward a little bit, we we got it uh, on to some uh, some fish, and and I decided it was about the right time that we were getting into some uh, some shallower water. I'd say three to five, three to five is what I was kind of reading off the fish finder there. And when I say fish finder, I never trust those things. It's a depth marker and a, and a bottom checker. That's all those, those, those things are, but real, um, men, so don't, getting, real men don't need electronics. Change my mind. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I will in a minute here. Just hold on. <laughs> so we get into about three feet of water and that's, it's perfect top water drop water fishing and there's these little pockets so I'm, we've got lily pads we got fallen timber we got weeds that are coming up this is switchgrass in the uh, uh, from the bottom you can see these little pockets that are just in my mind prime casting spots for a top water bait so i take out again i don't know why i'm telling you this but <laughs> for the for the interest of education and uh, sharing the story um uh rattling chug book so a rattling chug bug, if anybody is out there, it's, it's made by Storm. And if, if Storm wants to sponsor us, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because we again, we are not sponsored by anybody. <laughs> we are not sponsored by anybody. We've tried everything in the tackle box from Berkeley to Berkeley to Zara to Storm. But anyways, this uh, this uh, Storm rattling chug bug was a uh, minnow color, had a, a orange um mouth on it with a silver back white bottom little frilly thing on the tail like uh not not like a hula popper style but just See, a little frilly thing on the tail this this to me is your lure this is well, this he, is like a a tea at seven o'clock with your crumpets <laughs> kind of it's got frillies on it is it yeah. pink tell me it's pink bill tell me it's got no. some pink in it <laughs> there, there is like i can't there's no pink on it <laughs> 
Okay, I'm sorry. Carry on. Sorry. <laughs> right. So I take I take this uh, Rattlin Chug book, and, I, and I've had I've got three of them in the box, uh, different colors, perch color, and I've I've wore that thing out. I've caught more bass and pike on that thing than I've caught on any other lure that I've I've caught fish with. Typically, I'll, I'll use a bait caster, but I only brought one rod because I was only fishing for a couple of days. So you are uh, a bait caster kind of dude. Typically, when it comes to throwing uh, heavier baits or top water. Uh, in the weeds, I'll use bait caster because it's like you're using a winch to reel them out of the. Yeah, and see, I I'll do that stuff. for like the first eight to ten casts, and then I'll throw it down and grab my spinning rod because I don't have time to get the bird's nest out of it. And then I'll, I'll start <laughs> yeah. the next day because at the night I'm at the campfire taking that bird's nest out. Then the next day, maybe putting new line on. I'll I'll use would it you, again for the first ten casts. Would you? Would you? Um, Believe me if I told you that I, I practice casting in my backyard. I totally wouldn't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And would you believe that I, I don't? <laughs> yeah, I kind of do believe that. That's true. That is so awesome. <laughs> so, I totally believe. Okay, wait, how many? Yeah. How often do you practice casting that bad boy? Depends if I'm actually fishing. Or not. I mean, there were the, the years that I was fishing, I, I, every night I would go out there five, 10 casts, I'd grab a bucket, I'd grab a ring, I'd grab something, I'd practice flipping, you know, so Look like uh, taking you. a... No doubt. Yep. Okay, let's drill yeah, into yeah. this. I, I, Because I think we could, uh, we, you, I think you could help some people that are looking at, because every bass fisherman watches it on TV or sees it and, you know, they see the guy standing straight up in the boat with the bait caster in hand and he's reefing that sucker, right? Like setting the hook like he's he's got Godzilla on the end. And, and that is going through your head every time you're fishing like a topwater lure with a bait caster. You're fishing, you're flipping, right? And you want to be Kevin Van Dam and, and probably bad example because he doesn't use a whole lot of those. But you, regardless, you want to use that bait caster. And so somebody gets it does it 10 times five out of 10 times that's a bird's nest that you got it until the 10th until your fifth or sixth bird's nest after 10 casts and it's now completely screwed and you've got to yeah. cut the line off so what i learned when i was playing with mine and you are probably much better at it than i am because you do practice you when you tie on a new bait you want to set based on the weight of that bait every every time you switch baits you want to change every the time. setting on that bait caster yeah, right? and so can you give us your your detail on how you do that your steps. yeah it depends on depends on what you're doing i mean if i throw a i'll throw a spinner bait uh like i won't use a worm with a bait caster because i want the finesse i want the feel i use typically we use a stiffer rod with a bait caster uh, because you need more backbone when you're sitting hook setting the hook in in a situation like that i feel anyways L lily, yeah, lily pads weeds logs yep. anything that they yep. could run to to get under you got to pull them out of there before they get there right that's right and and where i'm at there too when when i'm um using the bait caster all the rate of descent meaning that you can set the tension on on your bait and have it free fall at a slow no no rate or a really, really fast rate. And it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm casting, I'll, I'll have more, uh, I'll have less tension so that it, it falls slower so that when you're the free flow and the momentum of that bait going through the air will cause more of a, a free spool effect. If you got your thumb off it, cause it's just, it, it goes, it's, it's too much. It's too fast. I mean, you can control it with speed and time. And there's a lot of guys out there that don't use 
the, um, uh, the, the variable tension, depending on whether they're flipping or casting. But for me, cause I don't fish every day. I like to have, um, a little bit more free spooling when I'm flipping a little bit less, uh, a less drop when I'm, when I'm casting just a little bit more forgiving, okay, but so, uh, with a bait cast, good. No, no, no. I was just going to say, so let's go if, if, if you can. So you're going to, I like saying this, it's fun. Chug bug. So you're going to fish this, that I said it right, right? The chug bug, yeah, chug, chug, bug. Chug, chug bug, chug bug. So chug bug, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're fishing this, this pink frilly chug bug and <laughs> yeah. you set your tee down. So as you tie it on, what do you do? You hold that in the air and then it starts to, you let that sucker drop till it hits the water really fast or you reel it up and then set it a little bit tighter, your tension on that bait caster. So it drops slower. What, what is your, what's your system for setting that? Well, I'll tie it on. I'll reel it up right to about uh, four inches from the top of the top of the rod. And again, this is not how I was fishing last weekend because I didn't have the bait caster, but Seeing as we're talking bait casters for a little bit, we got yeah. I, I, uh, because I'm learning yeah, too, no right? Because I again, I am not. I got one. I got a couple, and and like I said, I will fish them until they birds nest, and I chuck them aside, <laughs> and it's it's spinner for the rest of the day. But so I'm learning as well. I'm 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 keyed up. Yeah, so I'll take it and I'll, I'll reel it up to probably about four inches to the top of my rod. I hold my rod tip up to about a 45 degree angle, or maybe a little bit more than that, and um, I'll I'll flip the the like I'll, I'll tighten that tensioner knob down so it, it's tight enough that it won't move but meaning just barely that, won't move no it won't move at all so you're you're so gonna get her tight okay well hold on that's how i start right yep. so then when i when then when i hit the um uh the trigger for to to initiate the, the free fall effect then i'll back it off Until so it's that stuck. it's so, so that it slowly starts to fall. And when I say slowly, it might be a three count before it hits the ground. You know, I, I, okay. a six and a half foot rod. And, and it's not an exact science. You, if you set it up to close, close to that, the only thing is it's going to do when you, when you have it that tight, it's going to limit the distance that you can cast as well. Cause it acts like a break. Cause it's tension, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're, at, you're adding tension. The, the more free flowing that, that, that setup is, the farther you can cast, the more chance that it's going to um, backlash, free spool and burst <laughs> uh, backlash on you. You got to really be comfortable. But for guys that are getting into it, and I'd rather cast shorter, more accurately, and have less bird's nest. And then as you get better, you can back it off to where you feel comfortable that you can throw that bait and have it not backlash on you when you're, when you're, yeah. When you're casting, see, you so. watch these boys on TV, right. And the MLF tournaments and stuff like that. And they're not even, they're talking to the camera and letting this sucker go 30 yards. It's dropping. They just tighten it up and move it on. Like it's not, but they're doing it every day. Yeah. But they're also, uh, and I don't know if you know this or not, but they're using their thumb as a throttle. Yeah. That, yeah. Slow it down. Line, so, right? Yeah. So, so they're, they, they take a quick look before it hits the water, poop, top, stop. They're good to go kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I typically try, like I said, I'll, I'll get 10 casts in or so, and then uh, it's time to switch. And then you put it away. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it yeah, just I, I love my big how big of a knife I need to then cut off the, the line. But, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's my big casting technique, and, and and again, it's not an exact science. I'm sure there's put people on here that'll say, "Oh no, that's not how I do it." Well, I mean, okay, but that's kind of what works for me, and that's where I, I get a start from, and and that's the beauty of this sport is it doesn't have to be the perfect for for every scenario. It, what works for you 
apply it, use it, teach it if you want to. And if somebody asks how yeah. you do no, it. Hey, right? I appreciate it. I might actually get mine out and go out in the backyard. Yeah, good luck. Uh, your neighbor will have one in the window before too long. <laughs> They're used to it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, in my uh, my spin cast setup with uh, that I have for uh, lightweight finesse fishing is not really the ideal setup for uh, for chug bug topwater bait fishing and weeds. But that's what I had. That's what I used, and and uh, so I the the success part of the story um for the weekend that i cast uh this rattling chug bug out into about three feet of water and uh first cast i had i had a fish uh swipe at it but nothing and okay well that fish is is there so i cast it right back there the same spot. and made motion at it so you're feeling yeah, pretty good that's right Right. You're like, Hey, this might actually, cause when you, when you first tie on a top water, I don't know about you, maybe when you first tie, you're like, you're skeptical, right? Like this is, this is the absolute best kind of bass fishing you can do because it is the most exciting. I mean, when they hit a top water and explode or they come up and swirl, it's not just, Oh, there's a fish there. It's you got to see them take it. Right, like that's insane. It's like dynamite explode on top of the water. Yeah. So when you, when you do this, it's always like, like I'm 80% sure this isn't going to work, but I'm going to throw it anyway. Yeah. And then when that first, when they swirl at it, you're like, Whoa, this might actually work. <laughs> Wait, but you we're, can, we're you leaving can this when it's going to work and not. Right. I don't know if you know this or not. Maybe it's another tip that I can share. I don't know, oh, but you can tell. Tip. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I typically watch what's happening in, in the water and you can see whether the minnows are coming from the bottom to the top. If you see a school of minnows that are, are moving, okay, to dance and pop on the top, you know something's coming up. There's and a fish. That's right. Yep. And then you then you can hear you can hear or see fish going after bugs on top of the water or or minnows at the top, and you can see see yep. that. Hey, it's time to try a topwater bait. Yeah, because those worms that are on the bottom, a lot won't know. But you're fishing around lily pads. You hear this this that's fish tapping the tops of those lily pads coming up, right? Yeah, that's right. That's what I, I hear as well, and I can see it. And there's certain spots that I can just say, absolutely, this is a top water spot. And this spot on Saturday that I was fishing was for sure top water bait heaven right there. So, yeah, I tossed this top water uh, the, the chug bug out a second time, and I hit the same spot, and it wasn't one little tap of that bait. And the rattle, the rattle jiggled, and that fish came up, and all you could see was mouth, and it, it, you can almost hear it. It, it rolled over you on grabbed it. Hunter, so he didn't get sucked in. <laughs> yeah, it was it was game on at that point in time. And this fish hit and rolled, and it came out of the water. And all I could see on the bottom was yellow belly, like the 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 yellow on it was pretty pronounced. And uh, Dave looks over at the exact same time because he heard the smack on the top of the water, and he says, "Ooh, that's a big fish." And then it come out of the water a second time, and then did a little tail tail dance and then right to the bottom of the lily pads it goes and dave's like that is a big big fish <laughs> you know and I, i'm pretty i'm pretty relaxed at this point in time i don't know why i was so relaxed for a fish that was that was you know supposed to be that big in, in dave's mind and but top water was, and everything like i'd be yeah, having, no, i'd be screaming i tell you four <laughs> legs over guys would be hopping in boats to come see the <laughs> world record i'm about to land yeah, this, this fish here was uh, was 
wanting to uh, to get off in the worst way, and, and it, <laughs> to, it danced, and and I, I said, Hunter, you might want to grab the net. And what does it do? It wraps itself around the biggest pile of weeds you've ever seen. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking, okay, it's not that big of a fish because it's not fighting anymore. It's just pulling dead weight. You know, I fought it for you know what, what felt like. Uh, you know, minutes, but it was, it was probably seconds that you're fighting a big fish like that. And it get, I got it about halfway and then we'll pull line out and get about halfway. And then all of a sudden it started wrapping itself around that seagrass and, and uh, the, the weeds and whatnot. But luckily it didn't wrap itself around lily pads where I would, you know, how it's tough pulling a lily pad off the bottom. Oh, right? yeah. so, so I get, I get about, you know, two thirds of the way in and it's, it's now it's dead weight. It feels like because it's so compact and full of weeds that all I'm trying to do is slowly drag it in and Hunter um, dips the net into it and it fills the net. Not because the fish is that big, because of the massive pile of weeds <laughs> that, that was that was surrounding this fish. So I'm you, thinking, you know, and you don't even know if it's still there. It's just you. Well, that's it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can I can see the yellow belly on uh, underneath the, the weeds, and I can tell it. I can tell I got a mass of something, including the fish, on. But you know, you're second guessing the size of it until I started stripping back the weeds, and when I started stripping back the weeds and knowing what I saw, this was. I would say the biggest largemouth bass I've ever caught. That's so awesome. And it, it just, um, I stripped all the weeds back and it kept getting bigger and bigger. And the hook was, was buried in into it. So that both hooks were, were there. And there was no way it was fish was getting off unless it broke the line, obviously. And, uh, I, w- I was an all, I had to sit down with the fish in my hands and say, I cannot believe that just happened. So it, it, uh, it, Oh. Yeah, in the boat, we got a couple of pictures. I think I sent you a few pictures of oh, yeah. the, the actual in yeah. the in the boat sitting there. So I got, I don't know. If, first off, I got I just caught a. Have you said the weight yet? Not yet. Okay, so not yet. I'll, I will wait. But that's <laughs> I got that message, and that's all I got. And I'm messaging him, yeah. and and he's not reading my messages. And I'm like, you can't <laughs> yeah. just you can't just drop that on me and then not come back with it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I, I want pics, pics, or it didn't happen. And that's what I added you to the Facebook admin. Okay, post it, post it. <laughs> I got to see couldn't. this thing. Yeah, and I I'd sent that teaser to my dad and my brother as well. And I said, I just I just brought this fish in, and he uh, uh, he's the biggest fish I've ever caught. And you know, we, there's a lot of people out there that catch a lot of big fish. I'm not taking anything away from any of that stuff, but. For me to do that after all these years fishing, I've always wanted to catch one that broke, you know, the, the five pound limit or the five pound mark. And uh, this one was five, four. Yeah, so that's a big fish. I, yeah. I got one of those, uh, the Berkeley digital, uh, scales and I put it on and, uh, five, 5.4 pounds is what it was. And that fish, uh, was 22 inches long, 14 and a half inch girth. And, yeah, um, it was See, every bit of what I wanted it to we be. We ain't I, down I could... in Florida, and the water ain't that warm like it is. I mean, it's warm, but it ain't Florida warm, and so that's like equivalent to a, a monster in Florida. It really is. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where I was at too, and and I fish. You know, there's a lot of guys that fish these bass fishing tournaments, and there's and they're catching six six plus five at five is kind of what they all say. Five bass at five pounds each. Well those guys are pros doing it every, every week. Yeah. I, I haven't fished solid in, in years and I'm taking nothing away from myself with the experience making, but it was one of those days that everything went right and the fishing was there and I caught 
I caught this five, five plus pound fish and, you know, we got a bunch of pictures of it and, and there's one, one little story I'll tell here in a minute, but we got, uh, all these pictures of it. I put it in live. Well, we ended up catching, uh, five total fish keepers, five, five keepers. And I'd say that that were all three plus pounds. And then this one that was uh, over five. That's and you awesome, take a look at that's it. awesome fishing. Yeah. I don't care who you are up here. That's unbelievable. It was, it was great. And you put those three pound fish next to the five and then, and somebody on there made a comment were those the minnows or those, the, I don't, I don't yeah, I didn't the get that. I know I seen it. I'm like, man, those are massive, massive fish. <laughs> you know, those are the bait fish or something, but yeah, they, they, uh, they, they looked really good. And Hunter uh, wanted to fish top water bait, but didn't have one. So dad reaches into his, well, I reach into my box and <laughs> pull him out, uh, another bait. I didn't give him a chug bug. I gave him something that was close, a soft plastic, Hula popper looking. We're sorry, Hunter. Thing, right? You're not ready for the chug bug. No, just you're not ready. But it's a responsibility it a, that we just <laughs> Bill can't put on you yet, and and you might lose one. <laughs> yeah, he's not there yet. So this this kid, this kid, I'm still in in awe of what I'm doing of uh, this fishing in the in the live well. And it wasn't five minutes later. He throws his bait. Not even not even five minutes. He throws his the new bait I gave him on had a little trailer hook on it and, and the whole works. And he throws this, this, uh, this frog out and kerpow, another explosion happens in the water and he catches a, a three plus pound, uh, a large mouth bass at right on the heels of me catching five, five plus. So he's, He's on top happy. Water. trying to keep on up top on top water. See, and on that's top water. unbelievable right there, right? Yep. Like he's, oh, that's awesome. And he's a, he's a newer fisherman. So, you know, and I'm sure if he ever heard this, he, he wouldn't be very happy me saying it, but the, 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 he's still got a little bit of fear about putting his finger in the bass, uh, in the mouth. And then, um, holding on to the fish. Yep. yep. You gotta, <laughs> so, I mean, he, you gotta get the bass thumb. That's how me and my buddies, we used to judge on how good our fishing trip was at the, uh, Hey, how's your thumb looking? Oh, that's no, it. my bass thumb is better than your bass thumb. <laughs> so I got, I got the best bass thumb for one reason only that fish when and the, the top water bait, the hunter uh, had that fish took it and it was in its mouth pretty good. It only had single, single hook on it, but I went to help him take the, the hook out. Well, that, that fish flipped its tail, hit him in the nether region where <laughs> the sun don't shine. He lets go of the fish. That hook jams itself in the top of my thumb. <laughs> he says, well, and I, now, now the fish is stuck. The hook is stuck in the top of my, my thumb. And he's, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just got hit in the, you know, where I said, I don't care about your, you know, where that take this hook on my thumb. You know, <laughs> So, Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm bleeding all over the place. And, but so we get back to get back to the, the dock and it was a great morning fishing. kind of, the fishing kind of just turned off. We decided I was going for breakfast and I got a bunch of pictures. And the best thing that happened was, uh, after, you know, we, we got a bunch of pictures, um, that five plus pound fish, I put them right back in the water and let them go. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. Go, that was, go make uh, some more big boys. Together. Yeah, that's kind of what I said too. I mean, those big fish there, um, 
I, I think I'd like to get a replica done on it because it's the biggest fish I've ever uh, Are you going to do it? This date so far. I'm not sure. I think I am. I've got enough of the pictures and the dimensions and everything that if I wanted to, it's a couple calls. They don't do real fish anymore when they when they do the yeah uh, no uh, the and, and they so, shrink and and everything else too i mean you run the risk right on on true yeah over the years right it's uh some uh, good taxidermy won't but some it's you just can't help it from time to time so uh, i absolutely and now heck go buy yourself a 3d printer get it knocked out yourself <laughs> yeah that's, that's it but um, we put them back in cause uh, we kept the, the, the smaller of the fish for, for uh, fish dinner. And, uh, it was just a, cr- a great all around experience, you know, and, and Hunter learned how to clean his first fish, which, uh, he did well for for first time. Didn't leave too much on the, on the carcass there. And it was just an all around and it wasn't any more than three days. We, I got up there Friday night and we left, uh, by 11 o'clock on Sunday, man. And see, that's just a short yeah. turnaround trip. That's awesome, though. That's all. Yeah. It sounds like a, a, a an action packed weekend. I wouldn't trade that for the world, man. That's like nope. the dream weekend. It um, was awesome. So I, I kind of took up our whole podcast here with the with my stories. But. I love it. I love it. That is awesome. It's about time you pulled your own weight, Bill. I know. I know. It was it was tough. I didn't even know if I could with all that caffeine you had in you. And I was thinking, crap. If Bill's talking and telling the stories, who's going to ask the questions? Yeah. <laughs> no, that was absolutely awesome. So it was a great weekend and fishing all yep, around. My gosh, I, I now want to go. I want to go so that bad. time of year. And I used to do it, it so much. I mean, I used to, we have some spots that soon as bass open and, and they're, I, I love an up North Lake, like you're describing. That is absolutely, I think Scotty has said that before on the podcast about, you know, I, that's what I talk about. When we talk about fishing, that's what I want to do. I don't care about, I shouldn't say I don't care about, but I'm, I'm not as pumped about going on the lake for walleye, trolling for muskie, although I've never done no. it, so I can't say it, but trolling for muskie or, or, you know, going out for, for lake trout. We do the trout hunting, which we've done the podcast on before in the streams for, for Browns, but that what you just described is absolutely my love. And so we used to, I, I, there's some ponds close to my place here that that were stocked years ago. And so I got some buddies, Petey, Kevin, if you guys are listening, we've got stories upon stories, but we used to meet there all the time. Like I bet you I'd get done work. And before I had kids, I'd be like to, to my wife, Hey, I'm just going down the ponds for a couple hours. And we'd go have like little mini, mini tournaments and we'd be pulling in some good size hogs and, and we would do it all the time. And I miss it. Yeah. And now you telling this story, Oh my gosh, no, it's not going to a cottage possibly this, this year. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got to get out. I got to go rip some lips, man. I need some That's bass it. thumb. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's nothing more rewarding than, than coming home with a, a couple fish and 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 knowing that you can feed the family. We had a good feed. We didn't have. It was way too much food. We we always every every year we go up there we, we bring too much food and hey, they don't eat two thirds of it. But I was able to bring back. Um, Candace the, the goes fillets. prepared. She's married to the almost guy. You've got a well. That's true. Groceries. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You, you say that you're absolutely right. But we brought <laughs> we brought fish back, and I sent you some pictures, and, and I cooked them uh, a Monday night, I guess. Yeah, and I'm going to share some serious amount of pictures up, but. I I, I, I didn't want to do it till so by the time <laughs> this airs, they'll be shared, but I didn't want to do it until we, uh, we had this rock down and, and, and ready yeah. to go, but that's awesome. We had a great time. 
Appreciate no. you letting me tell the story, man. That was that was fun. Lots of fun. Yeah, I bit my tongue enough. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's awesome. I'm, <laughs> I'm so pumped that you got to share all that because now, dude, that was unbelievable. A story and, and and bait casting lessons and the whole nine yards. I we might have to drill on that some more. I got some no I got problem. some more fishing stories too. I think maybe we'll have some podcasts coming up that we'll have to dive in a little bit more. And and I mean, you are a wealth of knowledge that we seldom tap because we have guests and we get on shooting tangents and tangents and everything else. So, uh, yeah, I think we, uh, we got to tap the, the bill fishing expertise this summer a, a little bit more. Many, many more podcasts ahead of us. I hope. And as long as people keep listening, we appreciate everybody's listening. That's for sure. No, that's awesome. Yeah. This is episode 29. Absolutely. Phenomenal. Yeah, is it, eh? yeah. I could not believe it when I, when I created the folder to save this in it. So that's, I appreciate it. Everybody listening. We see the stats and, and I'm in shock and awe, absolutely shock and awe that us just sitting down around our virtual campfire, shooting stories back and forth is, uh, is being listened to, but thank you. And I, I'm loving it. I, it, it. Like I said, it's like, it's nourishment for us. <laughs> when yeah. when we're done talking we're in a great mood so it's uh awesome. it's absolutely and, and i'm getting to learn lots unbelievable so yeah thanks bill Good deal. that was a rocking rocket podcast thank you no problem thanks guys for listening and that'll do it for this week folks for the redneck country podcast i'm bill the almost guy tom and I'm Todd, and thanks for listening. And folks, if you want to be part of the podcast or you want to give us some feedback or really contact us about anything, feel free to email us at podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Again, that's podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again next week. <laughs>